So that's what yoga has been for me, is being able to not be reactive, even when it seems like you're in a super challenging situation, to know that there still is choice. There's still freedom somewhere, and it might not be from your human power. It's going to be from something else. And I'm super grateful to be able to witness my young teachers and knowing more about their personal lives and the challenges that happen in a Native community or on a reservation or in an urban Native center how they're working through that themselves, through the tools that they gain from yoga and that peace and the love and the forgiveness and the trust and the faith that comes along with the teachings that we learn instead of the unforgiveness and doubt and worry and fear. So shifting into that place of allowing spirit to be present so all those beautiful things can be there to help people on their journey. And then that's what they teach to their students as well. So it's such a cool waterfall, water flow of the life-giving water of yoga. Water is life, yoga is life. My conversation with Kate Herrera Jenkins, a native yoga teacher who is from the Cochiti Pueblo, was gorgeous and glorious as we took this deep dive into the spiritual understanding of yoga a ceremony. We all want to have a place where we feel that we belong and where we empower each other through spirit. That's something that the whole world could benefit from, a tribe, a tribal energy, a tribal mindset, and soul set. If you're looking to tune into a podcast episode that's all about yoga on native lands, then this is the conversation for you. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Wild Yoga Tribe podcast. I'm your host, Lily Allen Duenas. Together, we'll talk about the world of yoga and we'll talk to people from around the world. Before diving into the episode, I wanted to invite you to head on over to my Patreon account. I would love your support and I'm thrilled to have this beautiful community space where we can do yoga together, meditate together, and you'll get access to exclusive content. Get ready for some private Zoom Q&As, free printable art, meditation recordings, and more. Follow the link in the show notes to get started or head on over to any of my social media channels or my website, wildyogatribe.com to hang out, get to know each other better and find out more about all the support and resources available to you. Ready to dive in? Let's get started. Namaste family and welcome back to the Wild Yoga Tribe podcast. I'm so excited today. This is a beautiful day. It is the 100th episode. That is quite a milestone. This podcast has been rolling strong, rocking and rolling uh, for 100 episodes. So thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this special episode. I'm really excited about today. My guest is Kate Herrera Jenkins. She is a native yoga teacher who is from the Cochiti Pueblo. She first discovered her spiritual connection to yoga in 2007, as it was reminiscent of her experiences in traditional Kiva on her reservation. So healing both physical injuries from running and emotional wounds from her past, Kate found renewal and confidence through hot yoga, and she's completed various yoga teacher trainings and teaches globally. So she is the former owner of Kiva Hot Yoga and Iron Tribe Fitness, and she has founded Native Strength Revolution. 
It's an amazing community of Native American and First Nations yoga teachers and wellness leaders. And as you can tell, I am so excited to talk to her today. So thank you, Kate, so much for being here with me. Hey, Lily, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Thank you. And so just to dive in, to touch into your story, can you tell us about how yoga first came into your life and what drew you to a life of yoga? Yes. I've always loved movement and I've loved the traditions on my reservation. So primarily dancing and using that as our movement and spiritual practice. And so I'm also a long distance runner. So I started running about 20 years ago and love it, still love it. So I had a friend that just, you got to try this hot yoga. I'm like, oh, that sounds so boring and not fun. And she finally, after persuading me, got me into a hot yoga class in Atlanta. And it was like 105 degrees and 40% humidity. And I passed out before class even started. She didn't tell me it was 90 minutes long. (laughs) Yet something really happened in that class that once I surrendered to the heat and the situation that it was and realized I had no control, like it took me to a place of really my experience growing up on the Pueblo and in our ceremony. And something happened where I surrendered the control of my physical body in a way and my mind and really allowed spirit to help me in that moment. And I thought, wow, this is so similar to how we have our experiences in, in our Kiva. And this is so cool that I can do this and I, I'm not even home. I'm not even on my reservation. And anyone can experience that. And I was just so excited. So from that moment on, like I was just in love with the yoga and just loved how it healed my body, healed some of my running injuries. And I was on fire for it, literally with hot yoga. And shortly after I started, made the decision to become a teacher. And then after that, opened up my own studio so I could share that healing practice with everyone in my community here in in Alabama. Amazing. And so you transitioned from owning Kiva Hot Yoga and Iron Tribe Fitness to transitioning to a full-time role through Native Strength Revolution. That's a significant change. That's huge. Can you walk us through kind of your progression? Yeah. So I, the vision for Native Strength Revolution, I would say was given to me by Creator probably about 12 years ago. And so I had this vision for, I was just all about hot yoga. It's like, oh, it's got to be hot. And that's where I was at that point in my life. And so I thought I would create this 18 wheeler actually that would be like a heated trailer and I could do yoga with people and drive. I'd get my CDL license and I drive it from Pueblo to Pueblo. So my drive coach to Pueblo is one of the 19 Pueblos in New Mexico. And they're somewhat close together. I was like, oh, I could hit two or three Pueblos in one day and lead these um, yoga classes. And so that was the original vision. And then as years went by and I owned the studio and then we started leading teacher trainings, I said, oh, this is how we grow that vision because I'm only one person. And to have a team of people and eventually build this army of healers, and yoga teachers, wellness leaders that we have, that's the way. So that's really what brought us to the current place of where we are. Many things happened that just pointed the decision was the right time to sell the studio. I had a really enthusiastic buyer, which was amazing. And my mom was in her last years here on earth. And so I knew 
my role was to be a full-time daughter and caregiver with her. And the same with the gym that we owned in New Orleans as well, sold it around the same time. I was able to surrender those and allow my mom to have a beautiful send-off from this earth and then be able to have abundance within our organization and be able to step into leading it full-time. Beautiful. Yeah. That it sounds like it was just very meant to be right. As you said, it was an enthusiastic buyer and you (laughs) sold both of the iron tribe fitness and Kiva at the same time. So it's just amazing when you step into flow and then you can see how things unfold. Oh yeah. That was (laughs) for a reason. So for our listeners, can you tell us all more about native strength revolution? What's your mission and what are you doing? Yeah. So going back to that original vision, being able to lead yoga on my reservation would be amazing. People know me. There's um, a trust there. Yeah. Even if I were to go to a neighboring indigenous community or Pueblo or a reservation, they don't necessarily know me. They don't know my story. They might not show up to class. So I realized early on, we really need to be able to have a way to equip people who already have a heart for yoga, who've already experienced healing from yoga and are on fire for yoga and wellness to be that leader in their community. So that's what we started doing. We started leading our own 200-hour teacher trainings, starting at my studio here in, in Birmingham was the very first one, and continuing to grow from there. And so also really knew going into it that these people, once they went through training, and I think this goes for really any yoga teacher, no matter where you are, you can feel isolated, especially as a studio owner. If you're maybe like one of the only ones in your area, you're like, oh my gosh, burnout is can happen. People just feeling like they're the only ones that are in this mission can be discouraging. So we wanted to really create an alliance of the teachers who had been through our program. So we created gatherings, whether they're online or in person, to really help support each other and continue to give each other support. Yeah, sure, there's continuing education and tools, but really give each other support and community so that we don't feel alone when we're in those situations, when we're starting a new program on our reservation or in our community. And maybe we don't have all of the support of like tribal leaders or the community in the beginning, but really giving for us as the lead team, giving that encouragement to the new teachers or even existing teachers teachers who might be experiencing challenges. So we want to make sure that our frontline, our teachers are always fired up and we want to do whatever that is to keep them fired up and keep them on their own path of healing as well and keep their cup filled as well so that they can do that for their community. Oh, that's amazing. I love that you have this first line, you have this thriving and beautiful and buoyant community, right? That's just lifting each other up. And I really appreciate, Kate, that Native Strength Revolution, from what I've learned about it from you and from all your digital space, is that it's not like a one and done. Do a yoga teacher training and then see ya. And I think a lot of training centers globally maybe have that kind of energy. It's just a group moves through and then another group comes. But it seems like you're really serving your teachers and building this community just past the training itself. Absolutely. And that is something that I felt like I did actually get from my training. I did go to Bikram's training in 2009 and it wasn't necessarily through the organization itself, 
But through my training class, like we bonded and to have that just checking in with each other, like we taught your first class yet. How did it go? Just keeping each other supported and engaged in teaching yoga was super important for me as a young teacher. And it's super important to me still as someone who's been teaching yoga for 14 years. Yeah, I I think that's important for all of us to have some kind of community that we can check in with and that we like what they're doing and we want to learn, how are you doing that? And how's that working? And being creative, being, of course, always honoring the roots of yoga, but also being creative and how we get the word out there and how we get people into our classes and how we can merge who we are, whether it's as a native person or whatever your background is, how we can merge our true whole self into our class as well is super important, I think, for any yoga teacher. And we try to help people see that and do that. We don't tell them. They have to discover that on their own, but we do our best to create a space for them to be able to do that. Yeah. Amazing work. So powerful. But also, as you said, the community that we all need as yoga teachers just to, Hey, how are you doing that? And, Oh, I'm teaching. Did you teach your first class? How did it go? Those check-ins, but also the problem solving, like being a yoga teacher is such a creative thing to be. Oh yeah. it's a contract thing or a freelance thing. And there can be a lot of struggles just in terms of negotiating a contract or even a a student in the class having an issue you've never encountered before. I have someone who has cystic fibrosis who comes, has anyone worked with that? Any recommendations? Like there, there are so many reasons for yoga teachers to lean on yoga teachers. Clearly something I'm passionate about. I just can't stop talking to yoga teachers. And learning from them myself. And it it can become heavy no matter who you're working with. A lot of our teachers do work in the recovery field. They will go to recovery centers or recovery homes and teach classes. And they, just as many of us do, get so invested in our students and just see such beautiful progress. And really, like, we pour more into them because we see them pouring more into themselves, right? And then it can get so discouraging when someone relapses or when somebody dies from an overdose. And so it's like to see these things happen with my teachers has been, I always have an open door that people can just talk and talk it out because it can become heavy no matter who you're dealing with. And I think it's important for our teachers to have that space for sure, because they're doing great things and it can become heavy and we want to make sure we can help them become light and come back to their light as well through it all. That was really well said because, yeah, the darkness is there and every person is a bright light, but just all the causes and conditions, circumstances, challenges, it can dim. And if we can't find our light, it sometimes takes another light to come light that flame again and tap in and put it right next to us and just make it stronger. (laughs) But is there something about yoga? I feel like we've been talking about it for sure, but around it, is there something that you've witnessed? Um, And maybe it's a specific example, or maybe it's just a generalization of how is yoga impacting Native communities? Yeah. And this is for a long time, because I was one of the only Native yogis that I knew. I felt like every time I stepped onto my mat, it was ceremony. So it was this time of surrender. It was this time of 
oh my gosh, I'm so weak and really calling on my higher power, calling on God, <laughs> oh yeah, I cannot do this anymore. I can't hold this anymore. I can't, whether it's a pose or whether it's a certain season of life. And so when I started leading these trainings and hearing this without me saying it, hearing this come from the trainee's mouth, oh, I think this is a common theme for a lot of native yoga practitioners and trainees and and teachers is that we do feel this connection because it is like a prayer. It is like ceremony and there is movement attached. So in my culture, I can only speak from my experience, but growing up, whether it's a wedding or a funeral or a special spiritual ceremony, there's a lot of movement involved. So it's not like we sit in a seat or in a church and simply just sit there and allow someone else to like preside over everything. We are very actively, the whole group is very actively involved on celebrating the wedding or celebrating someone coming into womanhood or or mourning and, and grieving the loss of a loved one. So we know that we have to be moving to allow that to really be able to leave our bodies, whether it's celebration or whether it's that grief. It's something that's, I think, come always very natural for a a lot of Native folks who are um, maybe familiar with those ceremonies. So when we discovered yoga, it's just, oh yeah, like I'm going through it. And I think that's what most yogis can experience too is, oh man, I'm going through this thing, but the yoga just somehow helps like me process it in this whole way that talk therapy can't, which talk therapy is amazing or other therapies just can't the way that that movement and, and yoga truly can. And so I think that's something that really allows yoga to resonate with Indigenous people and what they're used to and how they practice and really merge in with their culture. And it's so it's not so foreign. It's not, oh, this is from a different background. It's, oh, no, man, we do this. This is from India, yet we do yoga to help us be able to connect to creator, connect to spirit, and be able to move through whatever we need to move through in any area of our life. Yeah, a hundred percent. I completely agree, especially with what movement can unlock and what Mm -hmm. can release, what it can let go of or what it can, how things can get through our bodies, through our energy fields, all those koshas, all the layers of who we are and just get it out or or bring it in or whatever needs to happen. Because I, I think it's just very science backed. It's very biological that mammals and all living creatures need movement. And we live in a really static type of society. I feel like in the West, it just feels like we sit so much. It's just so much sitting these days. And there's a disconnection from our mind to our bodies. And I know that's something everyone talks about union is uniting the mind, the body, and the spirit. But of course, the the real union in yoga is the self to the universal, the single self to the cosmic. And it does go beyond that. And you mentioned a few minutes ago, Kate, about honoring the roots of yoga. And that's something you try to do. But also, how do you feel like you're honoring the roots of your native culture in yoga as well? Is there something you're trying to honor both simultaneously, or do they just feel interwoven? I just would love for you to expand it a little bit. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think each of our teachers has a different experience and uh, that's, I'm super grateful for our trainings. 
And when we actually have interviews for our trainings, because we want to make sure we have a really great group and people that, that are ready. And so I always tell people when they're interested in our training program is that like this training program, it's a 200 hour. We really do want to make sure that we get all the philosophy and history to make sure that you really know where yoga comes from. I think that's any yoga teacher, right? There's certain standards that Yoga Alliance would like us to have in those curriculum curricula. And it's, we, so I tell them that this is a pretty vanilla training. If you look at the curriculum, it's no different than any other yoga training you're going to see yet the indigeneity comes in the group of people that gather together. And so within each training, it's so different because they bring in their own stories. When we start to talk about yamas and niyamas, they start to bring in their own lessons that were passed down in their culture, or someone will bring in a beautiful song that reminds them of something that we're moving through within the lessons or within the sutras, say, or the Bhagavad Gita. Oh, this is something that's so similar. This prayer is so similar. This is something that to this song here that I'd love to share. It's always have a drum available. And it's such a beautiful thing how it happens so naturally when someone feels comfortable in the group or well, these songs come out and these prayers come out and the curriculum, it's all what most of us yoga teachers learn as far as the history and philosophy of yoga, yet it's really bringing in, oh, this is how we've been honoring this in my culture. And so that's going to be a part of their teaching journey. And I'm probably not going to take that because it's not necessarily my history or my upbringing or my story, yet it's such a beautiful thing to receive. Oh my goodness. And to be able to lead these trainings, but truly like the trainees are helping lead when they bring these beautiful elements in that help us connect. And what's so cool too, is there's a lot of folks who have not been connected to their traditions through their family for whatever reason. And it's a time for them to be filled with these things and to really see the possibility of, oh, wow, there are connections here that I can start to discover and explore myself. So it's such a beautiful journey to be able to do that. And so it's not like I'll teach a teacher training and say, okay, here are are, are these glaciers. And this is the tradition that exactly goes with, because here in the States, there's 584 nations and there's, I can't remember how many, 300, maybe some uh, first nations up in Canada. And we're all very different nations. So knowing that, but also just with any yoga teacher, as we start to go onto this journey of self-discovery and discovery of our relation to spirit and our relation to source or God, being able to bring more of who we truly are, who we've been created to be within our teaching. And it's a beautiful thing when we do gather in our trainings and when we speak about the Bhagavad Gita or uh, the sutras and really dive in into their history and say, this is a prayer that my grandmother taught me, or this is a song that we sing that reminds me of that. And I, and so it's through that journey of them just bringing something out and feeling safe to share that in the group is what starts to create or really create a path for them to find their teaching voice and how they're going to share with their communities. That's what's so beautiful about our trainings. And I'm super grateful for is that we're receiving all of this history and these stories and these songs and these prayers that we don't know because it's not of our culture and it's not something that we'd necessarily share because again, these songs from somebody from another tribe, 
are their songs. And it's an honor to be able to listen and to receive those. And it's simply, we're witnessing somebody on their teaching journey, finding their craft and finding the way that they're going to deliver their yoga experience to their community. Wow. That is so powerful to have spaces where people from all different types of cultures and communities, all first nations and all indigenous, but so different, as you said, coming together and sharing, because that's something I'm so passionate about. Clearly the yoga teachers from every corner of the globe and from other communities and cultures coming together in conversation and learning and receiving wisdom, insight, experiences from others. And you're doing that. Like you have created an ecosystem where it's happening. It's incredible to me. It's been pretty great. I've done my best to listen to creator vision and the plan for for this organization. And that's simply for me to listen and to honor and be obedient and do my best discerning what space it is and who needs to be in the space or who's ready for the space. And as far as co-facilitators and all that, I'm super protective of, of my group for sure, of who comes in. And and I love the people that, that are part of our team. It's been an amazing ride for sure. Beautiful. And I could feel myself as well, Kate, when I was saying you've created this amazing ecosystem, I could feel myself wanting to say you've created this amazing tribe. Because as you know, my podcast and this beautiful community I've created is called the Wild Yoga Tribe. And I know that also has been a word that has kind of faced a lot of criticism lately. And I was wondering if you could just speak a little bit about your feelings on the usage of tribe and in the Wild Yoga Tribe capacity or in others. Yeah, sure. And I completely speak for myself and my experience in tribes. I feel blessed to be part of the Cochiti Pueblo, which is one of the uh, 586 tribes of the United States. And I'm also half Irish. And so being able to explore that lineage and the Celtic history and spirituality and mythology as well, and to learn about all the tribes and also to be doing different work in Africa and exploring all the tribes there. I feel like tribes is a very universal word. Over time, I think in the West, it's something that people have lost touch with. In my belief, from my background, from me being half of native lineage and half white or Irish or however you want to say, we all come from a tribe. And I think in a way, that's what a lot of us are are searching for is like, where is my tribe? And just like you mentioned there, like you created this tribe and Native Strength Revolution, some of the members actually do refer to it as, hey, this is one of my tribes as well. And so we all want to have a place where we feel like we belong, where spirit is present, where we welcome in spirit in a, a similar way. And that we're able to empower each other through the spirit. We're able to just be a a big support. And yeah, for sure. I think that's something that the whole world, if they don't have it, could definitely benefit from is a, a more tribal feel. Like it's not about I'm living my best life. I'm doing this. It's like, how are we as a tribe living our best life? Because my actions do affect others and my words and the way that I communicate and the way that I teach do affect others. So it is not about me. And it, it is about the collective. And when we have more of a, even when we disagree, right? So it's like the United States in a way is one big tribe with a lot of dissonance within the tribe. Yet, how can we come back to a bit more of a tribal mindset and soul set? I guess you could say. 
Thank you so much, Kate, for sharing that. And yes, I think we all should come back more to the tribal mindset. And I love how you also specified the soul set because the mindset and the soul set, like the orientation of the being to the larger community, the greater good. Yeah. We keep feeling like we're one tree and we really forget that we are a forest. We are. are. (laughs) So Kate, something I do ask every single teacher who comes onto the podcast, and I feel like we have woven around it and you've pretty much said it, but I'd love to still phrase the question to you. What is your personal definition of yoga? I believe over the past few years, it's really transitioned in a beautiful way. And it's like a young teacher, it was so much about the asana. I'm sure a lot of people say that. And as we spend more time learning about yoga and and receiving it, it becomes something different that's present all the time, whether you're on a mat or not. And to me, that was very apparent in being a caregiver for my mom and perhaps not having the time on the mat that I would, yet having the time in, in meditation, really prayer for her. Because when you are a caregiver and their body is what we see as failing, yet their spirit is rising. It's as a human with a small mind, we're not God. It's hard to figure it out. (laughs) And so to be able to surrender and to be able to serve Seva was a huge shift for me in my life of what yoga is. And if anyone's been like, I think even from motherhood as well, or fatherhood, parenthood, being a caregiver really brings us into a challenging yet beautiful space. And, and I know in the beginning, like it was all about, Oh, I'm working through this thing in my life and I've got to get to my mat. I've got to get to the hot room. And it's truly about being able to allow spirit to be present and at any time, whether you're on the mat or not, and help you work through that situation and hold you as you surrender and be the person that you need to be. Like for me, it was being the daughter that I needed to be. It was a very humbling experience in my life. So when I would see people traveling and all those yoga poses on the beach and all that kind of stuff, like, oh man, here I am in my mom's bedroom doing whatever needed to be done. But whoa, what a spiritually strengthening chapter of my life. I, I have no regrets. And I think that's the power of yoga is being able to discern and to be able to be present to see what it's time for now from moment to moment and to be able to move forward with no regrets. And if there is a history, if there is a past, being able to find peace in that and finding that God will use that for good eventually when it seems so ugly. So that's what yoga has been for me is being able to not be reactive to even when it seems like you're in a super challenging situation to know that there there still is choice. There's still freedom somewhere. And it might not be from your human power. It's going to be from something else. And I'm super grateful to be able to witness my young teachers and knowing more about their personal lives and the challenges that that happen as a person lives in a native community or on a reservation or in an urban native center, how they're working through that themselves through the tools that they gain from yoga and that peace and the love and the forgiveness and the trust and the faith that comes along with the teachings that we learn instead of the unforgiveness and doubt and worry and fear. So shifting into that place of 
allowing spirit to be present so all those beautiful things could be there to help people on their journey. And then that's what they teach to their students as well. So it's such a cool waterfall, water flow of the life-giving water of yoga. Water is life, yoga is life. I love the water metaphor and how there's so much to unpack from a water metaphor too. I just, how water accepts whatever comes, you know, if a a branch falls in, if rock falls in, it just accepts it. And, or if it's a big, big branch or big tree, it flows around. It's a new path. It just, it's so, it's not reactive. It just responds slowly with intention and it just keeps on its path. And exactly. It responds instead of reacts. Huge (laughs) question. I do ask every guest on the podcast. So I say, all right, tell us more about your country. Tell us more about Uganda or tell us more about Lesotho. And then we kind of just talk about some things that are important or are of note uh, for their culture, community, location, space. So would you mind telling us more about the Cochiti Pueblo or more about, you know, native land and native people, whatever arises in you? I'd love to have you speak on. Yeah. I can actually touch on a conversation I was having with one of my team members where we have the vision to actually put a, a conference on and he's from the Southwest as well. He's actually from the Hopi tribe and my tribe is from the Southwest, the Pueblo people. And so much of what we do and how we feel filled and connected to our a group or community. I'm talking about this in the conference. I was like, dude, we got to have some like just lunch that people have never experienced some kind of lunch experience. Um, you know, at a conference, you just like, oh, let me go get some quick or something. And you're trying to meet people. It's just kind of never like a rich time, rich, just want to get all and talk to all, all the people there experience. It's very rushed or just even forgotten. And so in, in my experience of the public culture, there's so much <laughs> centered around food and we call it feasts. So we actually have feasts and to be able to prepare for days and days and days for these feasts. And to welcome people into your home that you don't even know. The lifeblood of a lot of our ceremonies that are open to all are these feast days. And so we prepare with love. We serve the food with love. And even people, again, like I said, somehow will find their way in our home that we don't know. So my grandmother, when I was young, would say, Grandma, like these people don't even know you. And very disrespectively, they fill the purses up with food. And do you want us to like be better at the door with turning people and she said, no, 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 no. She said, this is why we do it. She said, we might be the only people that have nurtured them months or years. We should be send the giving and the welcoming and giving them the peace. And so that's within Pueblo culture. I think that's a common is that welcoming people into that space and nurturing them. Everyone is, is welcome and that we're there to nurture them. And, and for us in bubble culture, like a lot of really, really good food. And I mean, that's bhakti, right? That's a bhakti devotion is to be able to serve food and be a devotion to be able to, to be served as well, to eat, to eat that food as well. And to be in gratitude with it and to be in communion with others. That's what I would say is huge. If someone were to ever visit one of the pueblos and all the feast days are actually publicized and on the internet anywhere, really. And so if you want to experience Pueblo culture, I would say to go visit one of the Pueblos on their feast day. And like I said, that's the thing, like everyone's home is open. So if you're like, I don't know anybody here, I would encourage you to knock on a door and just walk on in and get some of the most amazing home cooking 
beautiful Southwest zoos and chili that you've ever had and be nourished because that's what we do. That's what we do. And to be the nourishers. Oh, that's amazing. And a beautiful invitation to extend for anyone who is. Yes. Anybody. Yeah. Message me or email me and come on. And we'd love to have you as our guest for sure. Oh, that's amazing. So Kate, I would also love for you to share too, how can we support you? If our listeners are totally lit up and have questions or want to accept your invitation, I will link your website, nativestrengthrevolution.org and your social media in the show notes, as well as on my website, wildyogatribe.com slash yoga on native lands. So let me know if there's anything else you want linked or anything you want shared, but here too on the podcast, podcast, Kate, do you want to just share how can we support, how can we step up or how can we get involved? We just be in community. I think it's throughout, throughout the podcast. Um, we would love for you to join our classes. All of our classes are free. We have our app. There's a link there on our website to download our app or it's just native strength revolution. If you search in the Apple store and the Google store, find it there and join any of our classes. And I really think you'll find something maybe a little bit unique than you might in another class. All of our teachers are just have beautiful hearts and lead in their own way. They all are native teachers as well. Of course, we love donations, all of our programming as well. We have a retreat coming up, a traditional medicines healing retreat in Tulum. And that's going to be myself and a Mayan friend who is a healer down there. And those proceeds actually go to an organization as well. So we'd love to invite anyone to that. Spots are filling up and we're super excited about that retreat coming up. And I, I think that's how you could support for sure. And we just love to meet anyone or receive messages from anyone. Really. So Kate, thank you so much for being with me here today. This conversation has been truly a celebration, a ceremony, right? Of us coming together and, and learning and sharing. And I just say a big thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thanks for being here. Awesome. We say nature. That's our the feminine way to say thank you and appreciate you so much. Thank you. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you feel called, please share this episode with someone who you think could benefit from it. Leaving a review would also be so appreciated. I also hope you can join me online on my website, wildyogatribe.com or on social media. I would love to get to know you better. I would love to share with you and to hear your thoughts. Send me a DM, send me a note, get in touch. It would be great to hear from you. And as always, be well, dear one, be well.